0: Shift into an attitude of gratitude. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, three time best selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello everyone and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show where we talk about principles of leadership, business and human potential to live rich from the inside out. I have a special guest that I met at the New Media Summit and her pitch just resonated with me because you know I play a little bit of golf. So today's guest is Martha Sue Yuri, an LPGA teaching professional and she's it, um, if golf is a foreign language, Martha Sue is your translator. Martha Sue Yeri is a reigning LPGA Teaching Professional of the Year, elected unanimously by the pre- prestigious International Association of Top Professionals. She's also an author, life coach, speaker, and business professional. As founder and president of Bionic Believe It or Not, I Can Golf Pro Inc., specializing in coaching. Instruction and e-learning develops her Bionic Golf Pro teaching system to answer the dream of the lower scores, greater confidence, and feeling satisfaction on the golf course. Martha Sue is the creator of the Empowered Golfers Formula, a 90-day virtual golf school utilizing her licensed instruction system that guarantees that the golf student will eliminate one-third of their golf mistakes in 90 days. It is the world's leading program for empowering golfers to create more fun while playing golf by eliminating the confusion that makes them wanna quit, the fear of the lack of confidence, and frustration of not having consistency in their game. Her from the home course is relaxed, convenient, and easy to complete successfully by golfers of all ages and skill levels. The course empowers golfers to take ownership of their game, which builds golf confidence while lowering their score and looking like a pro. Welcome to the show, Martha Sue. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. This is so exciting to
1: me. I just, um, I just absolutely fell in love with you and everything that you were doing at the New Media Summit. And um, I was so excited that my pitch there resonated with you. When you told me you were a golfer, I
0: was like, yes, I'm <laughs> so excited about that. Well, one of the things I'm grateful for that Steve Olsher has brought us together. And one of the things about your pitch is it was about persistence. So I would love for you to share the pitch that you shared with us on the stage.
1: Oh my gosh. You want me to give you the whole
0: minute? Absolutely. Bring it on.
1: Well, let's see. Um, Have you ever shot, I mean, this is gonna be like, okay, this is true confessions here. I mean, if this is good for the soul, this one ought to do it. Uh, I told somebody today, this was absolutely, probably my lowest moment in golf. What what I should, you know, this is honest, but it's life. And um, so here's my pitch. Have you ever shot an 11 on a golf hole before? Well, I did. It was the TPC, 17th hole, sawgrass, you know, three par. It's only 132 yards, anybody can do that, right? But it's an island green, it's surrounded by water and swirling winds. Well, that day I loaded five balls into the water, right? It's like every one of them had their own penalty stroke. And I could have just gone to the drop area. And when I went to the drop area, I could have avoided all the pain and the struggle and all the bad stuff that went along with what I was doing right then. But I knew that I could hit that shot. I knew I could hit that shot. And I was determined to prove it to myself that I could and to all the people watching me, because that's what golfers do. They watch you, right? And so here I was, determined to be able to get across there and I kept loading balls in the water well the sixth ball went on the green and a putt from halfway across the green went in the cup well all those strokes added up to 11 right so that's a lot of score but I had proven to myself that I could hit that shot I had proven to myself that I could do what I knew that I could do. And that's every piece of our life, isn't it? Where we have anxiety, we have confusion, we have frustration. All those things go into, in life, the same that they do in golf. We're all looking for a way to be able to create a game. It's life. Our lives are affected by all the actions that we do. I'm Martha Sue Ury. I'm an LPGA pro, teaching pro, and I have created a golf school where students become empowered to own their game and their lives. That's what we do, is that I teach you everything I know, I give you all the supplies of everything that I know, so essentially I'm with you, but I don't own your game. I'm not with you when you play golf, you own it. And so you go out there and it's the repeated result that you can trust. Not me telling you it was a great shot. It's like, okay, it's a great shot because you got what you, you knew you could. That's where golf confidence comes from is that you can create a repeated process that you can count on. It's kind of like putting one foot in front of the other. Or maybe like riding a horse or like riding a bicycle. If you can do it and do it again, you can count on it. You can trust it. So that's what golf really is in a nutshell, is that it's developing a game you can trust. That's golf confidence.
0: Love in it. In a nutshell. Love it. One of the things that I know that we talked about is really owning your game and as well as in life in, in the golf game. But one of the things that... The before the show, we were chatting about owning your game and who owns your game and what happens when you take your eyes off the ball, which in many cases is our goals, our dreams, or our end result that we want. I want you to speak a little bit more to that, Martha Sue.
1: Okay. Well, the fun part, I was talking about flying from San Diego somewhere and the it was just the neatest accident you know sometimes you meet somebody that doesn't ever want to talk but i met this fella in the airport and we actually then sat on the plane together and it was the most delightful conversation very successful businessman and he said yeah okay you're a pro man i really should probably do that and i said yes you probably should and he said well i took some lessons but it just didn't seem to help me and i said do you know why and he said no And I said, because that golf pro owned your game. Was that person going to be out on the golf course with you when you went to play golf all the time? And he said, well, no. And I said, but your golf game, the ownership of it was back with the person, the pro who was giving you a lesson. Now, I'm a golf pro. I'm not bad mouthing anybody. I'm just saying that if you are dependent on, oh, that was a good shot. Oh, that was a good shot. Oh, no, that one wasn't so good. That's like being a two-year-old. And then, you know, deciding whether or not mama approves of what you just did. If you take ownership of it, then you can tell that if I give this much action to a shot with this club, I can count on the result being this distance. So if you can know that, like your seven iron and the positions of a swing would give you this much distance. And the five iron would give you this much distance. You can determine what you want based on your actions, your repeated actions that you can trust. You take ownership of it because if you can trust your results, you won't be afraid
0: of them. Like, okay. And that's the thing I find that in life, we don't always want to trust the results that we're going to get. We're fearful of the outcomes because what if we don't get what we wanted? Right. Well, I always tell my
1: students, it's like when we're coming up close to Halloween, golf is kind of like going to a haunted house because you're not afraid of the haunted house. You're afraid of the unknown that's going to jump out around the corner and scare you. So it's the unknown that causes you to flinch, causes you to raise your head and anybody that's ever picked up a golf club, if you understand that you raise your head during the swing because you don't trust the result, when you raise your head, your shoulders are taken off plane and the ball will either go way right or way left based on you raised your head. It's that simple. So when you don't trust it, I guarantee you, you're going to raise your head. You'll do it every time. But if you trust the shot, you can keep your head down, looking at the ball, and listen for the ball to land. It may go in the hole. It might not go in the hole, but you have a whole lot better chance of getting it in the hole if you don't raise your head. And the only reason you raise your head is you didn't trust it.
0: Wow. You just gave me a whole new insight on my golf game. Yep. <laughs> yep. Have you ever played it
1: at dusk that then it got dark? Yes. Yes. It is the best way of practicing. Actually, with some of my students, I would have them put a blindfold on and play as though they were sight impaired because when you lose one sense, the others are heightened. Right. But when you can't see, like if it's dark and you can't see, there's no reason for you to look up because you can't see where the ball would go. So you'd have to trust that your arms are going toward the target and not worry about it, but you have to listen for where the ball's going to land in the direction. And so that part lets the the sense of your hearing come stronger because your sight's gone. But the visually impaired student, boy, they're golfers that are just unbelievable golfers that are sight impaired where you know they can't drive a car. But they can play golf because they have a sighted partner saying, okay, this is this many yards long. It's dog legs to the left. You're going to need to hit this club. You're going to need to do this. You're going to need to do that. And so they've laid out a roadmap for the person to follow. Well, if we just let it and we would lay out a roadmap for you looking at where the target is, And if you go, okay, well, this dog legs to the left, I need to line it up at this right side of this tree so that I don't go into whatever that's over there. If you, it's like driving, it's like a GPS, but for golf. If you look at it and go, okay, I need to plan for this. That's all golf is. If you plan for a shot strategically, you, like I said, you might not be in the hole, but you're going to be close.
0: Well, I have to share a whole
1: lot of things to practice.
0: (laughs) I have a funny story to share with you. My son and his buddy, a few years ago, we were driving them to their golf tournament Uh and uh, they had just done their practice at the practice green. And I thought I'm going to get them to do Amy Cuddy's pose, that power pose. Right. And I said, come on, boys, you got to do this for me. Put your hands up nice and tall, like the ball went in the hole. You got a hole in one. And I said, and they're like, no, no, no. I said, come on, just humor me. And my son goes halfway and he goes, my mom is crazy. (laughs) But yet at the same time, when he has a good shot, it's either that fist pump down or, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that victory symbol. And I, I tell them that like, if you visualize it, And you put that energy of how you want to feel when that happens, you're more likely to have that happen versus that that one went in the trees, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, and you know, it's interesting because I'm going to take you back on a detour that to when your son was two years old and you probably played ball with him back and forth. Mm -hmm. And even though he was horrible at it, you cheered him on you said, "Oh, good job. Good job. It's wonderful. That's great." And I was like, "Okay. You lied to him." You know, basically, you lied to him. It was a loving lie, but you cheered him on, right? And so we continued to do that. And when he got the ball to you, oh my gosh, you were so excited, he was so excited. It was a genuine cheering at that point. So in life with a 2-year-old, we lovingly lie to them and praise them until they reach that level of success that we praise them for okay it's kind of like you said if you see yourself doing this so when you can give yourself a happy word input because that's what i teach and so when you can do that the positives overshadow the negatives just like the two-year-old and tossing the ball yeah, But you continue doing that with yourself and your inner child until you reach the level of success that you're looking for. It's like the repeated
0: process. Yeah, You said the persistence, yeah. right? Um, and I think we have so, to lovingly lie to ourselves when we're in the beginning of something. And as, as Robin Sharma says, in the middle, it's messy. Yeah. But when we get to the ending, it can be genuinely that you are talented and successful in that area but you've developed those skills over time
1: right what I discovered in trial and error because uh you know there's lots of people that have said to me through the years I've been teaching golf for 30 years and people have said oh you're doing this or oh you're doing that and I'm like okay well uh okay I didn't even know what that was which was pretty funny but anyway then I looked it up and sure enough it was pretty much kind of what I was teaching with the neuro-linguistic programming. I don't have a clue what that was, right? That was like, you know, years ago, but by trial and error, what I discovered that in five repetitions, your brain responds in cycles of five and with five repetitions of the same process, but with a positive input on top of it, it's really negative in the beginning, like that middle thing you were talking about. But in the beginning, like your son said, my mom is crazy. Yeah. He's like, I'm not right. (laughs) Right. Right. My mom is crazy. So my students say, I can't believe she's having us say this happy word. And that shot was not good, but she's telling us to tell ourselves we're doing this and it's giving this happy word. And I said, trust it. Just trust it. Humor me. Just trust it. And what happens in those five repetitions, the first time it's like, raw, raw, raw. I don't want to do this. She's just crazy. Okay. But the second shot is like, oh, wow. Did you see that? That was, that was a little different. The third shot, this the third repetition with their happy word is like, oh my goodness. The fourth one is like, wow. And the fifth one is, did anybody see that? Yeah. It's like, You know, did anybody acknowledge that? Oh my gosh, did you see that shot? So it takes our brains and I don't even care why it works, but it takes, and I've seen studies about this, but five repetitions with positive input changes a negative thought process into a positive result. Well, I came up with that by trial and error, working with students and and I discovered that, you know, one would go five times and go, oh, wow. And then another one would go, oh, wow. And, uh, you know, it was a trial and error and it was the result. And the result was what I could count on for them. And so then I just, I I got to a point because um, I had a strategist at one point and he said, oh my gosh, I see what's going on. You are the most dangerous woman in golf. And the reason he said that was because he said, what you've created in this simple to understand easy to use teaching system. He said, what you created is really disruptive to the complexity of the golf industry because golf teaching is complex. That's why when you go take a lesson and you walk away and you go, what did they say to me? Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to repeat that. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of lessons that me, when I started playing golf, that the number of lessons I walked away, I might sit down on the driving range, just cry because I'd spent a bunch of money. It was gone. It was like went in one ear, one out the other because there was nothing for me to grasp and holding my hands. I had no book, I had nothing written. It was all what the person said to me and I was supposed to be able to translate that, use it, nah. And so it's like when I say that I am, uh, golf is a foreign language, it is. And so this teaching system that I use, I've referred to it many times as golf baby talk because it's so simple, anybody can understand. And then at the flip side of that, I've had many students that were plus handicapped. So in other words, they shot below par. And it doesn't matter what level you play of golf, you're sometimes going to be um, hit with a wall that you're like, I can't get past this. And because I teach with visualization drills, that they've come back and said, I've never had anything help me like this before. But you know what, when those testimonies were given, that was before we had videos, that was before we had all this stuff. And it was like, one of them was killed in a plane crash. One, you know, it's like, those are, it's only in my heart and soul that those were said to me, I don't have it written and I don't have a video of it. And it's like, oh, what a loss. But I know it's there and so it doesn't matter If you shot 72 and you reached a a wall that you said, oh, Martha Sue, I'm struggling with this, then we could fix it because you, your brain, your makeup understands how to visualize the GPS, how to visualize and be able to put that into action. It's like, I take things that you already know how to do and then associate them with your golf swing. And because of that, you already know how to play golf. You just don't know, you know how to play golf. You know, it's the,
0: <laughs> I like that,
1: you know, it's the unconscious incompetent that, you know, the four levels of understanding mm-hmm. and people think, Oh, they need to be in charge. No, you don't need to be in charge. You actually, the optimum is for you to be unconscious. Competent where you don't think like how long it's like this the two-year-old process how long has it been since you stuck yourself in the nose in your nose with the fork when you fed yourself but you did when you were two years old guarantee you so in that fun process it's like okay I don't have to stick myself in the nose but I know how to feed myself and I know that ice cream is a, when you think about ice cream is very um, the response to ice cream is very positive. It feels good when it hits your palate. it feels good when it hits your tongue. It tastes good when it hits your tummy. and you know little kids as babies, when they start eating ice cream, they love it. Of course, then you can't let them have it all the time. But you love ice cream because it's this rewarding thing. What you want in golf is golf ice cream. You want the shots to give you that feeling of, gosh, how would this feel? Like ice cream, you know? H- how would it feel? And you said you wanted to kind of talk about this. How would you feel? How what would it mean to you if you could own your golf game? It'd be amazing. I flipped the, switch- I
0: flipped the asking questions on you. <laughs> I think it would be completely amazing because it's, it's that feeling everything comes back to the feeling you want to feel when you have achieved or that taste on your palate it's amazing
1: right right and ice cream is the probably one of the best analogies that i ever came up with because there wasn't a person that i've worked with for 30 years that had not had ice cream Mm -hmm. because that's the reward that's the oh it feels good it
0: tastes good you know, and if we can get ourselves in that place all the time, it's as simple as ice cream,
1: yeah, because you want it again. That's the point. When you first have the first bite, whoo, let's do that again. That's awesome. I, I believe I want some more golf ice cream.
0: Okay, that's what it's all about. So, Martha Sue, I'm curious, and you know, maybe thinking of ice cream as well, but when someone's under <laughs> performance pressure, uh huh, like the pressure to perform, like in a tournament. Right. How do you get them to stay calm enough without having that negative self-talk pop in? So if we were to analogize this with business or life or leadership, the same principles apply because it's our state of overwhelm, the pressure to perform or do well. Right. How do you get people past that performance anxiety or performance pressure? Well...
1: In working with the students and them using the positive in the training, when they apply that, the same lessons into their life or their children's lives or even, you know, working with their spouse or whatever, when you apply those, um, the way you say things and the way you respond to things, for instance, you know, with your spouse or your children or whatever. When you learn to respond, not react, you've learned how to control a big part of that. doesn't mean you're not going to still have nerves, but you've learned to control. If you don't have something where you work on your inner self, it's just fun that my direction is golf, but if you don't work on Finding a way to deal with the anxiety and the frustration and the challenges. Like you said, golf, those same emotional challenges that we have in life are the very same things you deal with in golf. Well, if you learn to deal with them in golf, you can apply them in your life. And so it's like, I think maybe one of the best parallels here would be if somebody's playing in a tournament and it's, you know, it's important to them. I'm not talking about the tour players. uh, And actually there are a lot of them that need to come up with a happy word because there's a lot that they don't use a happy word, you know, but um, in playing in something that it's important to you, the golfer, it's important to you. If you don't have a way of being able to still say, okay, that shot didn't go in the hole. It wasn't perfect, but oh my gosh, look how much better it is than what I used to do. If you don't have a point of reference that tells you, the little kid inside you, that you are better than what you used to be, then you will lack you will have a struggle with all kinds of emotional problems because you'll feel inferior you'll feel you, you lack confidence you it's like you know oh my gosh i can't even walk across the the floor without falling it's an emotional letdown when we beat ourselves up so the vehicle of golf lets you understand that if you beat yourself up over here with golf, you are also going to beat yourself up over here. So I say my happy word through every piece of what I do in life. You can't imagine the number of times that I said "wahoozers" before I walked up on that <laughs> stage with the golf club in my hand. And the, you know, I could have done it again the next day and it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the same thing, but it was the unknown. Right. It was the unknown of what to expect, even though I practiced and practiced the unknown of how am I going to be in a one minute time to get all of y'all to hear what I have to say and sharing my story that the world needs to hear. How am I going to get this out there that y'all are going to say, oh my gosh, I want you to, I want to own my game too. It was, you know, this, that, Uncertainty, yes. That I experienced, just like everybody else. But while I was waiting in line behind like twenty people that their name started with an M, I was saying "wahoozers" all <laughs> every step that I took toward that stage. I was saying "wahoozers" because obviously that is my happy word. Is how wa- did you choose your happy
0: word? How do you come up with a happy word?
1: Uh, what makes me giggle? Okay, it's like um, back when I first discovered this. Was so back in the early '90s when I first discovered late, like 1989 to '90, like '90. In that point, and I would say, not really. But I was saying it already for myself. But when I applied it with my students, my word was wahoo, or I don't even know how to say it right anymore. Wahoo was wahoo, and you know it was like that. It still, it was like, but when I'd say it, I would giggle. Other people didn't always giggle, but I was saying it all the time because I had an awful lot to, in life, at that point in my life, I had a lot that was, could have pulled me down, mm. could have made me struggle. And by me repeating that, where my little inner child giggled, it's like, okay, well, all that stuff's out there, but we're going to keep going. Like, we're going to be persistent. I never knew I'd hit five balls in that water, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I love that about the persistence because I think it truly comes down to never giving up, never going to a place that you accept defeat. Absolutely. Right? And then you can, when you can use words like happy, happy words or power poses, you can change your physiology. You change your state to really step into owning your game and becoming that unstoppable person. You see yourself to be. Yeah, it really is that way. And it's, you know, like I said, when my
1: students first start, they go, are you crazy? You really want us to say that that was a good shot? I said, I say, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not telling you to say it was a good shot. I'm telling you to say It's better than what I did before. That's really what this is. It's an improvement. This shot is an improvement over the last shot. The next shot's an improvement over both shots. So you have an opportunity to claim victory through changing the words you use, the actions that you portray. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really life changing and, you know, kids don't want to do chores, but if you have them do a happy word, they're going to go I in the beginning, but then they'll get used to it and they're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. It's, I mean, it's really fun. It's life changing. In fact, my license
0: plates, say happy word. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about believe it or not. I can the bionic teaching system. How did you come up with that?
1: When I turned pro, I um, met a gal at the last tournament I was playing at that it was an amateur tournament, state tournament. And she had been the club champion at that golf course. It was out of town from where I lived and she had been the club champion, but she'd had a stroke. She was less than 50. And she heard about what I was doing. She came to me and said, could you help me? And I said, ooh, I don't know. Um, I showed her the drills that I was doing for myself because I know the value of repeated process that that lets you see going from one spot to the next. And um, when this process happened, she was the first. And uh, she'd had the stroke. And so I I knew by what happened with her it was the most goosebump experience that I had ever had. The the tee stopped, completely stopped. They put a, a, everybody, they formed a horseshoe shape around us and they were cheering and screaming and yelling, come on, Judy, you can do this. She was, had been a club champion there. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, this was just amazing. So when I went back home, I got on the phone, I became my own telemarketer and I said, okay, she's not the only person that this will affect. Who do you know that I can call? And surprisingly, when you open up something that can help to bring somebody back to life, mm-hmm. then people come out of the woodwork wanting to help you. And so I didn't want to call this a program for people with disabilities. I wanted it to be about, it was abilities. they. They could do whatever they determined they could do. Believe it or not, I can golf and you can too, basically. And I saw that name and um, asked the people in charge, I said, is this yours? And they said, no, we just used it. And it was bionic week. Believe it or not, I can. And I had a newspaper interview with a student that day. And the next morning I went to the courthouse in Dallas and registered the name. Um, every way that I could and because it said it resonated with what I wanted yeah and so I became the go-to girl of pretty much working with people with challenges and what's funny is I've gone into a transition with that the system was developed in okay I don't understand this okay well then let's do this okay well then let's do this let's let's continue to find a solution and so finding those solutions created the repetition the results and the system and then i had people saying to me but i'm not disabled i can't work with you and i'm like i did not have anything to do with it it's a matter of understanding but i'd always say that what happened in my process was that my students became empowered golfers so about a year ago I changed the brand. But I have the corporation Bionic Golf Pro will never go away from that. But in order for all students to recognize that it's a simplification for them, it doesn't mean you have to have a challenge, even though a bad hair day in golf means you're challenged. You know, it's it's like you're either you have a physical or mental challenge or you're just golf challenged because you don't understand. Right. And so I changed the brand to empowered golfers and then created the school, changing the school from the way I was doing it to the empowered golfers formula, because that really is what it is. And it was funny to me just, you know, how, when you change something, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, this is an old thing. It's to me, I'm thinking, okay, well, this has been working for 30 years. Okay, but but if you don't get it, it's like, okay, we're going to call it something different. <laughs> right. And um, all of a sudden that stigma was gone.
0: Isn't it Pretty amazing funny. how people associate so much with words? Because when I say, believe it or not, I can, I it is more of a mental thing for me than a physical thing. Right. But I like how you said that everybody has a challenge. Yeah. No matter what they're facing, they're facing a challenge and to have that mantra of believe it or not, I can just watch me kind of thing. Yeah. I think that really helps give that extra push into driving yourself toward that success. Sure. I, um, you know, you have to be target
1: oriented in whatever goal that you have. I mean, it doesn't matter what life goal that you have. You have to be target oriented. And it's funny because um, I'm 71 now. I still have a lot of years left in me, which is awesome to think. But I obviously at 71, I have to realize that the distance that I get on a shot probably isn't as long as what it used to be. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of an adjustment that I had to um, accept. It's like, okay, all right. But what I do in target orient- the orienting myself for there being a target in front of me, whether it's the fairway or the green, if I'm in a bunker, I look at where I want the ball to go as there being a person standing there with a baseball glove in their hand. Mm. And I am hitting the ball to that baseball glove. Okay. Cause you have to swing your arms so that they'll go to the baseball glove. Right. And so when, before I hit, as I swing back, as I come forward, I say, catch this buddy. I always do that. So I'm saying out loud to the dude that's going to catch my ball with a baseball glove, catch this buddy. And it's that little signal to me that it's like, okay, it's not as far as I used to hit the ball, Mm -hmm. but I have to make my short game even stronger now in order for me to still be able to play. And, and, uh, there is no frustration. It's like, Oh my gosh, it's 71 years old. I look at other people it's an ageless sport. I'm like the, I'm like the uh, poster child for that. It's like, you can go out and, and enjoy life no matter what age you are.
0: Like I'm in. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. So I want to ask you, you know, being a woman in golf, right. Um, And just the different challenges in the sport how how did you face any resistance or the naysayers what did you do to push through some of that doubt that maybe faced you in your career
1: actually um from a teaching perspective because i never went on tour i had the mm-hmm. i had two little girls and did not have the support from my then husband and um i didn't have naysayers about what I was doing. In fact, the majority in the beginning, not, not with the people with challenges, but of the students, the ratio of the students that I had more were men than were women at that point, back in the eighties and nineties. Then all of a sudden there was the surge of women going, wait a minute, I want my fair share of this money that happens on golf courses. Right. And so there was a shift in women knowing but what I it wasn't a naysayer about me as a professional me okay. as an instructor right there was a huge amount of respect and um because they would look at me if I demonstrated and, and you know shot to them they'd look at me and go oh wow you know they would know that I could hit the ball right what uh, you know so it's like that was good but The naysayers, I'm not sure that's the right word. The people that looked at because I did a tour around the United States in 2002 and three in a 1973 school bus, yeah, RV, tongue in cheek RV conversion. (laughs) But it was me, my dog, my two cats, and Jesus, and that was what was in that bus, you know. Um, but I went over 16,000 miles in that school bus teaching. Families would come. The LPGA was sending out press releases, and families would come bringing their children or adult children that had challenges. And then the LPGA and PGA pros that were in the areas across the country could come to a two day school of mine and get CEU credits for doing my school my reason for doing that was so they wouldn't be afraid to work with that population because i'd done it for so long and a lot of people would go oh my gosh i'm afraid i'm gonna hurt them and i'm like well if they fall down they're used to falling down they're just gonna get up you know don't be afraid of them just love them let them go on so anyway i did this tour And when I made all of the connections to every golf course around the country where I was going to set up and do these clinics, the golf pro would say, yes, of course, we want you to come. Now you are only gonna be teaching people with disabilities, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's the purpose of this school is for the pros to become comfortable with them. I didn't have that connection at that point. Yeah. And and it wasn't until the strategist said, you're the most dangerous woman in golf, because I'd explained all this to him. And he said, well, well, the other part was when I moved here to San Diego 11 years ago to become a grandmother for the first time, when I moved here, I knocked on doors and said, I'm looking for a place that I can teach and told them what I did. And they all were like, "Hmm, we have our own pros. And so the strategist said to me, you don't get it. And it wasn't they saying, it was they were afraid of me Yeah, because I had something that if you were on the tee and overheard me talking in baby talk, golf baby talk, that you could understand that wasn't high tech complex, that they didn't understand from another pro. And they might say to me, can you help me? Because that happened. Yes, And I would say, you know, I'm so sorry, but I can't help you. You'll have to go to your pro. Oh, that was hard to do. Right, because I knew I had something to help them. That was the in my whole career, that is the only resistance from other pros that I experienced because there's a fear factor of the unknown that I had. I developed something that was simple, and what they were teaching everybody was all this complex stuff. It's like, you know, you got a pronate, you got a blah blah blah. It's like, and your brain goes. I got to do what? Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm not a, a, it's like, you almost look at the normal way of golf instruction as the person who's receiving the information is a physical therapist. Mm. And that's not the way it is. Right. It's like you being the business coach and the entrepreneur and the executive and uh you understand all kinds of high tech stuff. Okay, bring it over here and golf and then all of a sudden there's a whole new level of confusion. Yeah. Doesn't have to be there. We're gonna take the eraser and erase that. When did you first pick up a golf club? I was twenty-four. I never picked up a club till I was twenty-four years old. I was pregnant with my second baby girl and had a almost two year old. And a neighbor of mine said, um, let's go play golf. And I said, I don't have golf clubs. And she said, oh, you can use my husband's. It's okay. So we walked and pulled carts and went out. And I, most shots never got off the ground. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Most of them were on the ground, but I hit one shot. And this is what makes golf intriguing. I hit one shot that it was up off the ground, high in the air, and I literally, Deborah, I turned around, and looked behind me to see if someone hit a shot over my head. <laughs> I would not gotten one off the ground, That's right? amazing. Yeah, so anyway, so I, then I had the baby, and then I, um, the way I played golf for probably six, seven years was um, that I would rush out, rush to the nursery, then to daycare, and then to, you know, and I'd go play nine holes, and that's what I was doing, I had the highest handicap that anybody could have. And it was like just my mom's day out having recreation. But the frustrating part to me, because there is frustration. And I didn't know about a happy word at that point. My words. (laughs) There's other words that started coming There (laughs) were other words. I learned to play golf with other people and I picked up their words. (laughs) Thank goodness God cleared me of those other words. (laughs) But I would go out and play. And then i'd go home and do all my mommy stuff right so it's like oh here's this small window and i could hit the ball a long long way but it might go that way a long long way it might go that way a long long way and so there was no understanding of how to make the ball go this way where i wanted it to go so one day i said okay i'm done i'm either going to i'm going to find i've taken a lot of lessons it's like you know the in this ear and out that ear And, um, and I had improved along the way, but not to the level of, I wanted to. And I said, okay, done. I'm going to get really good or I'm going to quit. Who's going to help me? And there was a new pro that had just come to the club where we were members. And he said, I'll help you, but you're going to do, I'm going to own you. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah. I'm going to own you for six weeks. And I went, oh, he said, you're not going to play one round of golf. And here's what you're going to do. So he laid it out for me. Total, total focus. You're going to hit a 1,000 to 1,500 balls on the range every day. Then you're going to go to the chipping green. Then you're going to go to the putting green. You're going to practice every shot that could possibly happen on a golf course. And I said, "A 1,000 to 1,500 balls? And he said, you wanna work with me? And I said, yes. And the, and the sick part was, I didn't wanna quit. I wanted to get better, you know? It was like, I had too much fun with my buddies. I didn't wanna quit, but I didn't want them to get better than me. You know, that that fear of loss, is like, that. Yeah, I saw some of them working with him. No, 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 uh-uh. You're not gonna get better than me. And so I let him own me for six weeks and I worked six hours a day. eight hours a day, six days a week. I took my kids to school. I went to the range and did all the practicing, picked them up at the end of school. So from eight o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon, six days a week, five days a week during school, the sixth day I was there longer, six days a week for six weeks. And, um, you know, the, the fun part about this was I said I had committed to play in a golf tournament, and he agreed to let me play. I hadn't, I hadn't played one time, and he said, "All right, you can play in that tournament." I'm like, "You're gonna let me? Okay." All right, but I forgot you owned me. you. <laughs> they owned me. Yeah, and so I went out to play in that tournament, and I announced on the first tee, "Don't tell me anything. Don't add up anything. I'll tell you my scores. I walk off the hole. I don't have a clue what's gonna happen because I haven't played golf." I'd hit millions, seemed like to me, golf balls. You know, my hands both, I had blisters on every finger. I wore gloves on both hands. And um, so I absolutely was in that zone that everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. If it's a life, it's, it really is a, a lifetime desire. For something that you do to be in that zone that you do, that unconscious competent, yes, you know where you, you're not thinking about it, you're doing, but what I did know was that all those shots that I had practiced, and now I was putting them one after the other, putting them into a sequence to play, and they were working on the golf course. It's like, wow, uh okay, so I announced my score all the way around. Uh, You know my number that I'd walk off the green and I'd say, "Okay, here's what I shot." And on the eight, our eighteenth green, a good friend of mine was playing the other twosome, and she had played with me for years. And she said, "Oh my gosh, do you know if you sink this putt, you're going to shoot a 77?" Wow! And I had an average score of 95 when I went into that six weeks of training, and I said, "How can I shoot?" 77, I've never broken 90. How can I break 80? I don't know how to do that. So guess what? The lack of believability in myself to sink that putt went away. Wow. The old me came back, right? You show up differently. Yes, totally. So I three-putted. You know, I walked off the green with an 80. I dropped 15 strokes in one round. So. You know what happened with that process, and and here's this is my story. I worked six hours, eight hours a day, six days a week for six weeks to start this habit, this game. But I continued to do the same thing, and I went from a, a 23 handicap to a 16 handicap by the end of summer, to a nine by Christmas. Took me a year, another year. to drop then to a seven, and then it took me two years to drop to a four, and it was when I dropped to a four that I went, "Uh, I think maybe I need to do something about it. You're on to something. (laughs) I I think I'm on to something. So, you know, it's like I honestly believe that what I have is a gift. I believe it's Mm -hmm. a gift from God, that it truly It's a gift that I thought that was about my own gain. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was for my gain, but it was for me to learn a process, like the Karate Kid, standing on the stump with like the bird. It was me. Absolutely, it was me standing there so I would be prepared to help that lady that came up and said, "Can you help me?" Yes. It was me being able to have a process that I could be the vehicle to help change lives. And ironically, that the gift was changing lives through golf. And when this conversion happened with me, it was really interesting because all of a sudden my attitude started changing. And what I noticed was the golf course was greener. There was a difference in the golf course. And I said to them, what y'all put on the, what'd you spray out here last night? Because I was playing in a tournament and uh, I said, what did you do last night? And they said, we didn't do anything. And I'm like, no, no, the grass is greener. And um, my daddy had given me a tape to listen to. And it was a praise and worship tape that was a uh, holy ground. And I listened to it as I drove home that night and uh, it, things in my life were at a bottom low right then. And I didn't know the words to the song, but that tune would not leave me. And I got out of the car and started walking and, um, The other twosome said to my friend, What's wrong with her? And she said, I don't know, but I've never seen her play like this. Don't say a word. (laughs) (laughs) So, the golf course, I believe, is the gift that God gave me to help change lives, help people believe in themselves and come back to life. Enjoyment, fun, get rid of all that bad stuff that's uh, burdens you. Cause you don't have to be burdened in life. You can have fun through golf and Actually, the cool part is you can create a whole new life of income through golf, not, not becoming a pro, but if you develop a golf game that you're proud of, your golf confidence changes so much that you're then ready, willing, and able to go out and play golf in front of people that could create new business for you. you know, it's like, what's a new coach? Uh, What's a new client worth to you in your coaching business? You know, you can evaluate that and go, let's see. What if I met a new client once a month by playing golf and not just having fun, but that client going, Whoa, she's serious. She's committed. She's focused. Whoa. Look at that ball. I'm telling you, it's like, Oh, wow. And that's, That's the direction that I'm going now is helping executives and professionals understand their value. It's really cool.
0: So how has the game
1: of golf changed your life? Um, I think probably one of the best ways that I could describe that. Um, Like I said, there've been highs and lows.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that happened with me when I was working through this process was I could totally engulf myself in my game. Mm-hmm. Because At that point, it was my game, right? Yes. And so I could totally just drown in my own game. And the unhappiness that I had in my personal life Couldn't take the golf away from me. And um, that was something that I owned. It's like, and it's funny because I never thought about using that term at that point, but I owned it. Nobody else owned it. I owned it. And he couldn't take that away from me. So the highs and lows there, um, I'm so grateful. And I'm actually grateful to him. Uh, and I have to say that because if it hadn't been for him, I took up golf in self-defense. If it hadn't been for him, I, not self-defense, I took it up because I thought I'd never see him if I didn't learn to play golf because he was gone all the time playing golf. But so I'm grateful for that because I would never have done all the things that i have been available to do through golf
0: mm-hmm.
1: if it hadn't been for that introduction.
0: Yeah.
1: but. I had um, my sister in law, his sister was with me, and uh, the media has always been really good to me because they knew what I was doing. And they were like, oh my goodness, you know, because they could see lives changing. And so this reporter asked my sister in law, had I always been this patient? Had I always been this happy? Had I always been this positive person that I am now? And she looked up and never hesitated said, Hell no. <laughs> yeah. No, she hadn't been. And it's like that compliment from her mm-hmm. was the best because it showed that my life was different than it was in that painful time. Yes. So there've been lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of overcoming in my life and that golf would be, oh my gosh, look at that shot. You know, that hit the shot, you own the shot, hit it and you go, anybody see that? You know, cause it's, it's a treasure. So me knowing that someone that loves me, but had seen a huge difference in my life because of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it had affected me. It was effective, but it had affected me as a person.
0: And And you got to see yourself in a different way, a different capability. Yeah, absolutely. step into your potential. Yeah. So,
1: you know, it was like here I was a mommy and stayed home, um, stayed home mom, and then all of a sudden I was divorced and then I was a go out in the world golfer. So it's like, you know, life goes on and you can um, stay at home and feel sorry for yourself or you can absolutely create a whole new life. And mine happened to be through golf, which I'm very grateful about. And what a beautiful life you've created. Uh, well, it is. And my two beautiful daughters that uh, actually totally grown. I have four grandchildren. They each have two kids. And the beauty right now is watching one of my grandsons has, uh, you know, not that I'm partial, but (laughs) he has one of the most beautiful golf swings that I have ever seen. You know, just, and so here I am with them and being able to go and play golf with him and um, when I hit a shot. And, cause I say Wahoosers, whether it's bad or good. You know, that's the point. That's happy it's word. Like, it's that word that makes me giggle. But if you, cause if you walk off the green after you had an eagle and you're like so pumped and you go the next hole, you gotta come back down For you to be able to, okay, that game is over on that hole. you got to start over with a brand new hole. And that's where the Wahoosers does. So you say it in all things give praise. And so that's you saying, Wahoosers, this was really great. And then it's like you didn't make that putt. Okay, but it's still better than what I've done before. So Wahoosers. Mm -hmm. And so my grandson always says to me, okay, Gigi. Wahoozers, right? Wahoozers, right? Wahoozers. Oh. It's just it is so so cool to see that I planted that seed
0: yeah. in my kids. Yeah. I think the word that comes to me is, and you mentioned it at the beginning of our interview, is the word serendipity. And it's yes. from one of my favorite movies. But it's a fortunate accident. Yes. And I am so grateful to have met you, Martha oh, me Sue. And I would love for you to share with everyone how they can stay in touch with you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, my email goes back to the bionic. My email is Martha Sue at bionic dot com, And you'll get a giggle out of this. When I give somebody my email, I say it's Martha Sue at bionic. Like the woman golf, like you play pro like I com.
0: Nice. So I love it. You I don't miss it.
1: it. My website is, um, www.empoweredgolfersplural.com and they can read the story and um and there's really a lot of good stuff that somebody can go in and and um look at there and um I have a a way people can actually reach me if it's okay to share this absolutely this is um, we we want them to know all about you Yeah, I created a a page where people could go in and it was how they could get their empowered golfers action plan and fun. It it will be fun, but it's setting up a 45 minute um, interview with me. And in that interview, excuse me, in that interview, we will determine the two golf challenges that they're dealing with. And the one personal one. And so in that 45 minutes, I will show them what we would do in overcoming those two golf challenges. And we will see the parallel and how that will overcome the personal one. Now, don't get me wrong. If that personal one, somebody's in a wheelchair, we're not going to get them out of the wheelchair by fixing the golf game, right? So it has to be realistic. But um, I think it's going to be really fun to see how this Uh, How many people are excited about, oh, let's see if she can fix something. (laughs) But it's bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash empowered dash golfers. And um, so I'm excited about connecting with the executives and the professionals who love the game. You know, kind of like it's like they could be like I was. You could love the game and then all of a sudden go, I am done because it's too frustrating, too time consuming and too expensive to play golf if you're not enjoying it, right? Mm -hmm. So there could be people that um, they love golf. They just want to get better, but actually they want to play the game of life better. And that's what they can get here. It's like not just own your game. They're going to learn to own their lives too. And
0: um, all these great title for the show, own your game, own your life with Martha Sue. Well, there you go. (laughs) I did get all the own your
1: games because you said that. And the minute I walked off the stage, I went back to the table and uh, went to GoDaddy to my account. And so I started doing from my phone and got Uh every way that I could for that because that was important. That was really, um, that was an important key from
0: you because you resonated with that. Yeah, I believe we all need to own our game. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I want you to share with us three things that you want people to walk away with from this interview today.
1: Okay, that's easy. I want people to walk away with hope. I want people to... Um, look at their self-esteem and if they struggle with that to understand there's hope to change that because first of all going back to the bionic we have to believe in ourselves if we don't believe in ourselves first it's very difficult to accomplish anything and you know whether it's golf or tennis or I don't have much reference to jogging, but it's like, you know, it's whatever you do. You've got to have hope that you will be able to improve and not just go downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, so hope, um, I would really want for people to have more passion mm-hmm. Um I have always been passionate about whatever I did. It didn't matter what it was. You you could kind of look at it in my old life where that passion was stuff that uh, might not have been the best thing for me to be doing, but I was passionate about it. (laughs) But um, I would really love for people to understand they have to have hope, they have to have commitment, Because if you don't commit to even the GPS of your golf game or your life or whatever it is, if you don't know where you're going, you don't have a roadmap for where you're going, you're never going to get there. No matter what it is, you will not get there. You may get close, but you won't get there. So commitment would be the thing that you're making a decision to make a change. To get something, the reward is something you really want. So the commitment is fulfilling a desire that you really want. So hope, commitment, and persistence. Persistence is the key that takes the hope. Okay, I know I can believe in myself and the commitment to I'm going to prove to myself that I am going to be able to do this. And the persistence is you won't quit. You will keep hitting that ball because it's like, you know, the thing people have to learn is. In golf, like I said, I knew I could hit that shot, even though I took five balls that went in the water first before I hit the sixth shot on the green, but I kept hitting the ball because I knew I could. So there's persistence that we have to overcome things, but it's learning to continue to hit that ball, which is just like hit that goal, the two are parallel. You keep hitting that shot, until you accomplish what you never thought you could before which is own your game
0: and your life absolutely and i think i see a new book title in your future as well
1: (laughs) there you go well i believe i better write that one
0: down (laughs) yes you should and i think i'd like a copy of that martha sue how about you write the foreword oh i would it would be my pleasure it would be my pleasure i'd be so honored Well, when are we going to work on your golf game? Absolutely. I'm going to, you know, um, the next new media summit is in March. And I was thinking if I can swing it, literally swing it to uh, have an extra day, I think that would be a wonderful time to spend some time with you on the course. Well, I would love to do that. And the other
1: thing is I'm going to send you an email because I, I really want to talk to you about, I mean, you know, you love the game. You, lo- I said, I, I'm not very good, but I, I love, I love it. I laugh. I have a good time. And um, I'm going to send you an email and explain, kind of give you a roadmap um, of
0: some things awesome. that would happen for you. Excellent. Well, repetition is mastery and I, I can hit the driving range. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I'll we'll be listen. thinking of you. Uh, Oh, I'll I'll get that book written. Doesn't have
1: to be great big, but I'll get that book written and you can do the forward. That'd be awesome.
0: That would be my pleasure. That would be such an honor. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for the fabulous interview. And for those of you listening, those of you watching on YouTube, please connect with Marcy Sue at bionicgolfpro.com and empoweredgolfers.com. Check it out. She is a phenomenal woman. I knew from the moment I heard her pitch, she was my kind of lady because it's all about never giving up and continue until you reach that goal. So as Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. We'd love for you to go over to the Millionaire Woman Show on iTunes, rate us, give us a review. Let us know what nuggets you take away from this episode, because I'm sure Martha Sue would love to hear what those are as well as myself. And make sure you get on our newsletter list. We have a brand new mini course, Making Habits Stick, that is going to be released. So make sure you're on the list so you don't miss a single heartbeat. And my wish for you is always go out and have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you on the next Millionaire Woman Show. Well, I was just talking to Martha Sue Yeary. And we have an opportunity for you. So I have a special link where you can take her course and eliminate one-third of any of your golfing mistakes in the next 90 days, and she guarantees it. You can go over to HTTPS, colon, double forward slash, golf forward slash, Deborah Kazowski. That is HTTPS. TPS colon double slash and then you put in empowered.golf forward slash Deborah Kazowski. that is D-E-B-R-A-K-A-S-O-W-S-K-I and guess what you're not alone I am going to be doing this golf course alongside with you and it is going to be fantastic so all of you who are listening to the Millionaire Woman show wherever you are in this world or on YouTube, go ahead and click on the link, go sign up and enroll in your course, and you are going to improve your golf game.